Hello, 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 everybody. It's time for another episode of Be Real, Get Real with Women's Prosperity Network. I hope you're having a fabulous week. And I hope that you can take about 10 or 15 minutes and be with us now because Be Real, Get Real is all about being real and getting real. I'm Trish Carr, one of the co-founders of Women's Prosperity Network. And you know, we're about uh, Women's Prosperity Network brings people together, women mostly, but some fabulous men as well, so that we can make a huge difference with our products, our projects, and our services and make the difference in the world that we want to make. And when we do that together, we exponentially raise our chances. Now, the only thing is that we don't do business with business. We do business with people. So the more we know about the people behind the business, the more we can know, like, and trust them, which is everything. So I'm really excited about who I'm going to be able to introduce you to today. She is fantastic. Someone I've known for a really long time. Someone I'm proud to say is one of my friends. She is a fabulous woman. She's from Vermont originally. She lives in South Florida now. But she's a graduate of Phillips Exeter Academy and the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. She's the president of BenfoComplete.com, which is a vitamin supplement company that provides an alternative for the pain of neuropathy, which is a nerve disorder. Uh, BenfoComplete makes extraordinary differences for people, especially diabetics and their families. And her background is really diverse. That's the one thing about Debbie is she's done so many different things from working as a paralegal and a bank branch manager to being a U.S. Air Force officer, serving as an intelligence officer at the Pentagon, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and in Germany. And Debbie's just like you, a woman on a mission to live an authentic, joyful life. So it is my pleasure to introduce you to Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Hello, Debbie. Welcome. So Hello, glad you're here. Fish. It's uh, a beautiful day in paradise. It is a beautiful day in paradise. And I'm so glad that you joined me today. And you have such a compelling story. You know, who you were when I first met you, which was like 2012, something like that, 13. Yeah. Gosh, that's 10 years already. Um, you were really going through major transition in your life then. You had Benfo complete at that time, but um, you weren't really in it. There was something happening. And so let's just get right into it because your story is so compelling and you're the perfect example of someone who gets knocked down but gets back up again. So tell us what happened back in, I think it was 2010 when you lost your husband, right? Right. And, and I think that was the title of it, Married One Day, Single the Next. And you don't think about that happening. I'd been married almost 26 years. And Lou left the house on a Wednesday. He was going to, he's racing his car in Miami, but he had to go to the West Coast. And he said, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. So I basically gave him, a, you know, kick out, kick out the door, kicking the pants out the door and said, I'll see you tomorrow. And tomorrow came Thursday came I was at a meeting I was working for the school district of Palm Beach as a treasurer and my phone rang I was in a meeting left a message 11 messages that I picked up at the next break and the first one that I picked up which I call the call was the call. from the call that changed my life uh, that was from my oldest son who at the time was 23 and he said mom 
dad just died. I'm coming home to take care of everything. I still get chills when I say that. Yeah. Because Lou had diabetes. He had some things going on, but he was, it was under control. He was not sick. He, uh, you know, was overweight, but again, things were managed and I, I knew he wouldn't live to 80, but he was 55 turning 56. Wow, Debbie, that's young. Yeah, I was and 51. And in an instant, you know, I became a widow, which I hated that word. Right. right. I didn't fit into the family category anymore. I didn't feel like I did. Uh, I, I didn't, I wasn't single. It was a very odd place for me to be. But I had great friends who came in and they, I knew I had to plan something. Lou was on the West coast of Florida. So I had to get him back over here. And my mother and dad took care of all that and planned a huge funeral, you know, and uh, kids had to fly in on my, my two boys or military pilots. They had to come in. Jenny had to come in from Idaho. I mean, it was, it was a, a, something that I really hadn't planned, even though I was a planner and I had things in place, but I figured I never figured I'd be doing that at 51. But the biggest shock for me was I now had to run his company. And I say his company because it was his company. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I remember sitting in our in our in his office, which is right behind me right now, uh, a year or two before. And one of his biggest clients said, hey, De hey, Lou, what happens if you die? Who takes care of this stuff? And I was sitting over at my piano and he looked at me and then was on the phone with, uh, with Bob. And he said, well, Deb will run the business. I'm like, are you out of your mind? I said, then you better sit down and write up a plan for me because I don't know anything about this company. And when he died, he left a four page continuity plan, which had the principal people that I needed to work with, but basically good luck, honey. Wow. Yeah. So if you're going to learn anything from this story, plan plan on the unexpected. I, I know Linda Fostek and I have done a lot of stuff uh, on getting ready, but I didn't know where loose passwords were. I didn't know all that stuff. I mean, it was just overwhelming. So in addition to the shock of him dying, I knew I had to keep things going because yeah, I had my job at the school district, which really just gave me benefits, medical ben benefits. His company was bringing in all the money and paying all the bills. And so I really had to scramble, um, but I did it. How it. long, how long after he, like, so I can see myself if I were to lose my husband going into a hole and just not wanting to come out for a while, but it sounds like you didn't have that luxury. You can't do that. You can't go in a hole because I still had four kids and only one of them was home. The youngest was 15 at the time. Uh, the others, you know, the boys went back to their military duties. Jenny went back to college. Uh, I had Matthew here, but he was in school. So I basically said, school is your job. Uh, I had to keep, I kept my job at the school district because again, that paid the benefits. I did sh uh, shorten my hours. So I'd go in at six and I would leave at one. Then I went to the YMCA to swim. That was the only place I could get balance. Uh, I could, I could, well, I got my exercise, but I could cry in the pool and no one would know I was crying. That's where I fell apart in the pool. But it was my, it was my, I guess it was going the routine of going back and forth in the lanes that I, I would do 10 laps of one, 10 laps of something else. And that was my control, uh, which was important because I, I felt like I didn't have control at night. This is an interesting thing. If you've been married a long time to not have someone in the bed with you at night was really lonely for me. 
from 10 or let's say from midnight until three or four in the morning, I would cry in bed. I'd get mad at Lou for dying. How do you get mad at Lou for dying? But I just felt like, you know, the plans we had weren't weren't going to come to fruition. I didn't know all the stuff about the company. I didn't have the passwords. It was just very frustrating. And I was sad. I was, I guess I was lonely. I was lonely, but not desperate lonely. Just you were used to having somebody in the house. And, and that wasn't happening anymore. So I had to figure out how to get through all that. And it was work. It was being, I call it busyness. It's not necessarily business. I was busy 20 hours a day. And I, I, I had been a little bit heavy when I was young. And so this was the first time that I got really, really thin thinking, oh, this is great. I got my skinny jeans on. And one of Lou's friends came in and he looked at me and he goes, Deb, you look terrible. Oh, wow. I like, and I love this guy. I said, are you kidding? What are you doing here? I got, you know, people gave me a hard time if I was heavy. They gave me a hard time if I was skinny. I'm like, where am I? And he was the one that sat me down and said, who are you? Who are you now? You know, you were a mom, you were Lou's wife, your daughter, you had all these roles, but who are you? And honestly, Trish, I sat there and I was like, I don't know. I don't know who I am. Because I had, I had been there for everybody my entire life. And now I was still there for everybody. Been in a, in a role I had never signed up for. You know? And I'm sure that people who are with us right now and people who are watching um, can relate to going, who am I? My roles have changed. You know, empty nesters go through a similar type thing, right? Is, Matt, is Matthew still with you? No, no, no. He's 28 He's- now. Yeah, I'm thinking he's gone now. He's living down by you. But he was with me for a few years and he worried about me being by myself. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to go off to school because, you know, mom will be by herself. Well, that's another story because that's when I, my friends got me into dating, uh, which I wasn't ready for. (laughs) And they really pushed me into it because, you know, six months after Lou died, they're like, you've got to do something other than work. Because I literally was working 20 hours a day. And they said, get a life. And to them, get a date. Get a date. Get a date. I was like, I hadn't dated since I was 26, since I met Lou. And that was really daunting because all those, I'm not enough, you know, pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, all those things at 16 just welled up. And uh, that's when they said, well, I'll try the online dating. It's safe. You can stalk them. I look at, you know, watch them from home. So I'm thinking online dating, it's safe. Yeah, well. I asked my mother, her best friend found a husband online. I know people who have. What the heck? So I jumped in cautiously. I kind of say I dipped my toe. I I did my due diligence. I went to a faith-based site thinking this would be safe. Well, you know the rest of the story. And if you don't know the rest of the story, folks, it's the woman behind the smile. I wrote a book about it. Yes. Uh, It turned out to be a very expensive um, financial fraud. And... uh, you know, I hid and that's, I hid. That's where I became the woman behind the smile because I was so mortified by what happened until I went down to women's prosperity, business of speaking. And that's when my life changed because somebody asked me about the online dating, rolled my eyes at them. And I told them the story and, oh, you have to tell. I was like, no, no, no. And then Nancy came up and told me about something. And then you told me about something. And then someone else said, well, my mother lost $80,000. You have to speak up. So I shifted, I made that pivot, and now I became the woman behind the smile, and I could really 
feel that title. And I have for the last, what, six years, eight mm-hmm. years. And that was something because it gave me purpose. It got me through the humiliation and the vulnerability of the fraud uh, because I knew now I could help other people. And that gave me a cause and a mission. And you did. You helped hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, because um, you just kept moving forward with getting out that message that Listen, we're all we're all doing our best in this world and we're all putting up that smile and we all have something that's happened that we don't want to tell other people about and it separates us from people. It keeps us apart because we're not really being our true self. So you made a huge difference. You were on numerous television shows, you know, Tamron Hall, uh, Dr. Oz um CBS this morning I mean really you have been out there as a, a a banner holder for it's okay we all screw up and it's not our fault and even if it is our fault it's just something that happened it doesn't define us and that was the cool thing because when you somebody at WPN encouraged me to to try out for the California women's speakers the California conference the women's speakers thing and I won it you guys were all there. I mean, that that was my biggest jump when when that happened. Because after that, you know, Nancy talks a lot about being yes ready. I just said, "What the heck? Just try it." And mm-hmm. I did it, and I I got scared, but I turned that scared into um, energy, not anxiety. And I practiced, practiced, practiced. And I could I could have given that three minute talk in my I did give it to myself in my sleep. Yeah. Um, but it was amazing, and that catapulted me into the the Voice of America radio show, The Defining Moments. And I think you and Nancy were one of my first two guests. Yes. I found out that so many people have stories. And if we don't talk to each other, we don't know. And that story that you're hiding might be the story that the person sitting beside you needs to hear because they're going through the same thing, thinking that they're alone. And that was extraordinary. And that catapulted me into doing my own show, Stand Up and Speak Up. And I had the most amazing guests for those two and a half years, almost three years. I just ended it uh, uh, two weeks ago um, because I'm making another pivot. But I loved the speaking to people. In spite of the pandemic, I always had a guest on Thursday morning. And I always found something, you know, it's like being the barber. They want to tell you. Yeah. Tell the world, (laughs) but they'll tell you. And, and that was great because then they open up and they realize that what they are saying is really important. And it was great. So I've, yeah, I've had a lot of different roles and I, I turned the woman behind the smile into the woman with the smile because it brought me great joy and empowerment. I know, I know that word gets overused, but when I start speaking about those things, I can feel my insides change. You know, I get stronger from the inside out. And it, it gives me great joy to be there for one person or one family. I get a lot of husbands calling me now because r- relationships fraud, relationship scams are not just dating. It's words with friends. It's LinkedIn, Facebook Messenger. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, including myself, have been, been fished and hacked on Facebook Messenger. Yeah. And we all feel so like we know how what we're doing online. We don't. No, we don't. Crazy. We're navigating this field and we have no idea what we're doing. Well, and our children, <laughs> I worry about our children who are thrown online at, you know, five years old. Yeah. And there's no 
driver's manual to being mm-hmm. online. And so we need to know the, the, what to look for. And I mean, I'm pretty skilled now, but I still got taken because I was busy. I wasn't concentrating on my computer stuff and I got distracted and I just got hooked. And it, that irritated me. That triggered the things that happened 10 years ago because I hadn't paid attention. And that's the other thing is you can't blame yourself. Victim blame is horrible, especially if it comes from yourself. But other people, it's so easy to start you know, blaming somebody for what they did and it destroys your confidence and your self-worth. And I can't tell you how many people are committing suicide because of online fraud, because they're so afraid of what they did that, oh, people will judge me. I'm like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You might be helping somebody if you speak up. And yeah. that's what's important. So, well, and you gave a lot of people the, confidence to say if she can talk about this if this can happen to a woman who's so accomplished in the banking industry works for schools air force uh officer i mean four children business running i mean everything you've done you're an accomplished person and you have had your issues i'm an accomplished person and I have had my issues. I mean, I gave up money to two, count them, two Ponzi scams. So it happens to the best of us. We just believe people. I like to believe people are honest. And, and we get taken, even though we do our due diligence. So that story in and of itself is one to share because it will give people the uh, permission for them to share as well. Now, what you're doing... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's that it's been an amazing journey, and uh, talking through people through, especially couples, when the husband, the wife might have gotten taken with words with friends or something, and the husband is just like, "How stupid was she? How could she do this? I'm going to take her, take her phone away, take this away." I'm like, "Don't treat her like a two-year-old. Right, She's an adult. She made a mistake. She needs your support right now." So I'm very passionate about the victim blame, and and you know, stop it. Just stop yeah, it. In all the categories. <laughs> stop it. Well, here we are uh, 12 years, almost 13 now since Lou died. And Benfo Complete is up and running and doing what it's meant to do in terms of changing people's lives. So you would get up and you would work from six o'clock until one o'clock, and then you would go and you would swim, and then you would work on Benfo. And how did you, how did you get your arms around that? You know, it took me a long time and I realized recently that I've been the woman behind the smile with the company because I don't have diabetes. I don't have neuropathy. I don't have the things that the company was started for. And so I felt like an imposter. Like, oh. How can I talk about this if I don't have that until recently? And someone said, Deb, cancer doctors don't have cancer, but they talk about it all the time. And that was kind of like, ding, you know, that light bulb moment. But I realized that I was the spouse of a diabetic. I was the daughter-in-law of a diabetic. I lived with that for 20 something years. I knew that family side of diabetes and you know, making cookies for the kids, but then wrapping them in tin foil and putting them in the freezer and putting hamburger on it. Lou always found them. He, he whiffed out those cookies every time. And so I tease, I wrote an article once and it was called, Did My Cookies Kill My Husband? Of course they didn't. But his desire for the sugar and the addiction to sugar was really important. I needed to understand that. 
And when I look at families today, and, and we work with a lot of a lot of diabetics, typically diabetics, but folks that have had cancer, um, there's generational diabetes. You know, there are 37 yes. plus million diabetics in America. Double that for pre-diabetics. All of us could be pre-diabetic and we don't know it. And that sugar is just the inflammation and all the things that have been happening over the years with the pandemic and sitting in. I, I know I've put on some pounds uh, and I haven't been exercising like I have. That brings the cookies bring comfort. Uh, but if we really knew it, all the sugar in our lives is doing to us. And that's what I want to bring awareness of is that just be careful. Moderation in all things. I love M&Ms, but I have it with almonds or peanuts and dark chocolate. So I yes. guess the good in it. Um, but I see my kids when I start baking and sending it to them. Now they're saying, Mom, hold off. You know, we don't got, we don't want to get diabetes like Dad did. So we have to realize the grandmothers did the cooking. The mothers now learn from their mothers. And so we're passing down the way we're cooking and the way we're eating. And the generations, the younger generations, I was talking to Aralia Acosta, mm -hmm. who's, um, mm -hmm. I'm interviewing her next week. She said, one of my neighbors has a 12-year-old who is morbidly obese. That 12-year-old learned it from his mother, who is also the same thing. So we see it, and it's, the diabetes is starting younger and younger. Yeah. So what happens to these kids when they're 30 or 40? Heaven, you know, they get to 60-something, and they could have full-blown diabetes. They could have neuropathy, sciatica, all those things which leads to death at one point, because mm -hmm. if you can't feel your feet and you get, and you get a cut, it could get infected. You don't know what's going on. It can get into gangrene and then you lose a toe or foot, whatever. It's yeah. horrible, but it happens. And it, you know, I, I was uh, two guys that work for me. One lives in India, one lives in Jamaica or is from Jamaica. And both of their families have what they call the sugars. They don't even call it diabetes, but they have diabetes. And they typically ignore it. They're not taking the medicines. You know, Lou didn't ever want to be on insulin. That's why he want, he he looked into, he didn't want to be on gabapentin. That's how he found benfotiamine, which is a vitamin. It's a vitamin supplement from, from China and Japan. Uh, but the Germans used it for alcoholic neuritis because alcohol is sugar. Sugar. It's sugar. And yes. so my folks in Texas who take it get a little upset because they don't get as drunk as they used to. I'm like, I'm really sorry, but I might be saving you. Um, but it's phenomenal. And so that's my mission now is to talk to the the women have the power of the money. Yes. You know, we're buying the food. We're doing all the cooking. We're doing that stuff for, for the most part. So let's make the women aware. Because if we don't talk about this, and again, it's one of those things where it's the woman behind the smile. No one wants to admit they have something like that. But yeah. we do. So many people do. Yeah. And we've got to be careful. It's going to be careful. Yeah. And, you know, even that 12 year old boy, you know, it's hard for him to be motivated by what's going to happen to you when you're 30 or 40. Exactly. Um, so it's really about figuring out how is that affecting you now? What's it doing to you now? And work on those symptoms. Right. So add the exercise, add the mind control. And, you know, I, Matthew is uh, getting into personal fitness and nutrition. I said, you work on the 30 year olds. You're, you're the one that's, you know, they're, they're exercising. They're doing all these things. It's moderation, you know, you, and I know folks don't want us to have diet cooks. And that was my, that was my vice. Uh, but now that's given me osteopenia, which is the precursor to osteoporosis. So I'm like, Oh shoot. So now I can't have six diet cokes. You know, I need to have like more water. So um, diet Coke leads to osteoporosis? It, it pulls the calcium out. 
Who knows? Not diet Sprite, but the diet colas. And so the more I hear about bone health and bone strength, because I, when I got that, I broke, you know, I had a stress fracture in my foot. I was like, how did this happen? My doctor sent me in for a bone density test, showed that my bones were getting a little bit thin. My mom yeah. had osteoporosis. So I immediately Googled it, right? We do that when we get something like that. It, and they said, take calcium, take vitamin D and do some uh, weight bearing exercises. Yeah. When I looked at it, there was actually a bone coach. I can't remember his name, Kevin Ellis. Um, he started talking about how all these things, this some foods will deplete the calcium in your bone. And I saw that diet cola was right on the top of it. And I'm like, ah, shoot. That was, like, <laughs> that was the one thing that I liked. And all my nutrition friends, they're the first ones that say, get off of that. It's killing yeah. me. And I'm like, yeah, probably so. So yeah. now, but now it's in my mind and I, I won't go cold turkey, but I won't have as many because for me, it's moderation. Right. Moderation exactly. When I bake, I eat one cookie. I put yeah. the rest away. Yeah, that is, that's also discipline. It is. But, and today I made uh, chocolate chip banana muffins, but I used monk fruit or stevia. Yeah. And it tasted the same. It just didn't rise. So there are things that we can change that maybe will make us live. My parents are 93 and 88. So I've got some good genes, wow. but I want to be healthy when I'm their age. Yes. And yes. I want, and I want my clients to be healthy. And that's the thing. I can speak about this stuff. I can't speak about diabetes because I, you know, I didn't live through diabetes, but I've lived with being heavy. I've lived through crash dieting. I've lived through all that food stuff. And so I figured, you know what, this is how I can own my company and own what, who I am now. Yeah. And be authentic about it because I've lived it. And, and Benfo is, is not meant to replace um, the foods you eat that are good for you. It's simply a, a something that occurs naturally in nature that helps with neuropathy and neuropathy. My mother had it when they removed her vein in her leg mm -hmm. to do her heart surgery she was not diabetic, but she got neuropathy because of the disruption in her leg, I guess. Yeah. And she was in constant pain. And that benfotiamine or benfo, as we call it, yeah. would be able to eliminate or certainly reduce the pain. And I know that there's laws about what you can say and what you can't say, but I don't own the company. And I know personally how it's helped people in my life. Yeah. So if you know anybody who is a diabetic, definitely go to benfocomplete.com be in touch with debbie because it doesn't have to be like it is and there are things that you can do for yourself and you're right 37 million have diabetes and double that are uh, pre-diabetic and type 2 diabetes i mean it's huge especially in our country well the biggest thing that's just come out and and i was part of the itty bitty uh, wpn experts book um, there was a study done on Alzheimer's, which researchers are calling type three diabetes and benfotiamine was studied to see if it would slow the progression of the, that Alzheimer's. And it did. So now that's in a, a five-year study. So I'm like, okay, so if our stuff is, is going to be, you know, used as a good thing for, for Alzheimer's, I better learn about it. And I better start talking about it because we're benfotiamine. That's what we do. And so it, the itty bitty book was my first real launch in writing to do something about uh, Benfo and Alzheimer's. 
and so that's just the next story. That's the next part of it because we don't know what's going on with our nerves. Mm-hmm. And if benfotemine can help sciatica and, and retinopathy and nephropathy, all these things, it's totally amazing. And it's a vitamin supplement. And it's not going to work for everybody, but not drug, not every drug works for everybody. Right. So I always say, you know, I don't have any of those diseases, but I take it because I call them Debbie's bees. Our multi-B makes my hair grow, make my, makes my nails grow, makes my skin good. Uh, and it's just a really good form of, of B vitamins. So it's worth looking into. And that's it. We're all about information education right now and just spreading the word. So that's my okay. new pivot. Well, and I'm really well, thrilled that you kept the company going as I know all of your customers are because to be left without would have been tragic for them as well. So you kept Lou's legacy going, you kept your in-laws legacy going, and here you are making a difference for people in a big way because there are millions of people who need you. So Debbie, you are amazing. Thank you. You know, most people don't just like I said, I'd want to climb in a hole and I don't know if I would have had the guts and the confidence and the commitment and the determination and the discipline that you have that got you to where you are. So, well, I'm not, I'm not Mary Poppins, you know, my, no, uh, I know. Who used to call me that practically perfect. And I had my moments when I would be watching Hallmark channels, just boohoo crying. And you have to do that. That's reality. You got to get that emotion out. But I didn't want to be a victim to anything. And I think that's probably what has driven me throughout is that I knew I could do something. I knew I could make a difference because I've had so many extraordinary jobs and and opportunities over the years that how could I bring them all together and how can I do what I'm doing? And I'm I'm not there yet. I'm still working. And that's what I love about WPN and, and the support I'm getting because my team, you know, I needed more than me. And mm-hmm. you guys, you guys were great. What they say, there's no I in team. And, uh, and I need, I needed the support of so many beautiful, smart, intelligent women who made goofs, but we're all in it together. <laughs> and it's really fabulous. So thank you so much, Trish. I really appreciate you guys. Oh, it's my pleasure. And for those of you who would like to know more, just start your free membership at womensprosperitynetwork.com and get it going and, and, Learn about this amazing sisterhood of people who come together to make a huge difference in the world, Debbie being one of them. (sighs) Debbie Montgomery Johnson, thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing your story, for sharing who you are. I really urge you, if you have any of the symptoms that we've been talking about, go to Benfo Complete and see how it can make a difference for you. Be in touch with Debbie. You can always reach her through Benfo Complete. And thank you all for being with us today. We wish you a happy, fabulous rest of your day. And we shall see you again next time on another episode of Be Real, Get Real. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, all of you. Bye-bye. Have a great day.